And welcome to the second episode of Balustrade's World of Interesting Things. We are Balustrade. A band who once got upstaged by a birthday cake. I am Carter. And I am Lex. And we're here tonight to talk about some interesting things. Some things which we find interesting and that we hope you will too. So this week we have decided to talk about foreign language films. So the films we're going to talk about are... Troll Hunter. Troll Hunter. Troll Hunter. Troll. And Pan's Labyrinth. I love the soundtrack to that. So we picked each of these as films which are our respective favourites and Mm -hmm. that we have watched in the past before, but we've also kind of thought we would use a nice excuse to rewatch and to talk about here. This episode of Barstow's World of Interesting Things contains huge spoilers. Huge spoilers. So if you've not seen Pan's Labyrinth or Troll Hunter, go off and watch them now. Yes. Then listen to us talk about them in an interesting way. So as we did in the first episode, we are going to set a timer. We've decided once and for all it's going to be five minutes. And (laughs) I think there is going to be an allocation that if we are in full flow that we can go to extra time Oh, excellent. And so it's like rugby, we've got to wait till the ball's out of play. Yes. Okay. Exactly. So, but then we can go to like golden goal maybe or if we or penalties. The chances of us saying something interesting enough for that to happen are remote. If you'll remember from the first episode we had a kitchen timer that didn't quite work last time. So this week we've new technology. Yeah, we've got an app on a phone. It was a free app that's so full of adverts. Fantastic. And hopefully it's will tell us what five minutes actually is. <laughs> Five minutes on Troll Hunter starting now. Troll! Oh, That's all you really need to know. Isn't that scene brilliant? It isn't is. that great? So, Troll Hunter is essentially a found footage film. Yep. It's Swedish. Norwegian. Norwegian. Good guess. Good, good factual accuracy yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and is about a group of film students who mm-hmm. basically chase after a chap called Hans around Norway. Yep. And it turns out he is a troll hunter. Yes, they they think he's responsible for killing a load of bears that are turning up all over the place being shot, and they think he's responsible, but no. And I think what I like most about Troll Hunter is the fact you think it's going to be one film, which is these students chasing after this chap, and he's going to be sinister or weird. Yeah. But he's... Ultimately, just a frustrated civil servant. Absolutely. Who is just doing his job. Yeah. And you meet him very early on with this great scene where he charges out of the bushes shouting, Troll. Yeah. Um, and then as you find out more about him, he's not got this really deep and convoluted no. backstory. He's no. just a slightly miserable bloke who hates his job. He hates his job. He, do- he, hasn't, he doesn't get paid enough. He hasn't got enough holiday benefits and all that jazz. He has to rely on the support of a sort of like a... A vet to help him with yeah. stuff and there's not enough funding basically because Norway's troll problem is getting out of hand yeah. and he has to kill trolls which can't be easy yeah he he speaks about that in sort of quite frank terms it's quite sort of sad in a way yeah and there's a whole scene isn't it where he talks about um back in the 70s having to kill off a whole family yeah full of trolls and you kind of think oh well actually it's quite you think it was quite a flippant film but really it kind of gives it that nice sort of heart and depth yeah, to it it's got a, like that sort of post nam quality about him that's going yeah, on there exactly do you have a favourite f- scene from the film? Because I was thinking about this earlier. My favourite scene. I really like the scene 
Under the Bridge. That was the one I've Where he down. collects the blood. Yeah. Because I really like the fact that it kind of relates to the whole thing. And yeah. His tech that he has yeah. is so delightfully lo-fi. Yeah, that, and that it, tin costume he's wearing. Yeah. He's sort of like clanking all homemade. Armor. And I love the scene where where Thomas, the film student, just yeah. takes out this giant syringe. Yeah. And it's kind of quite nice because at that point, the, 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 peop- the kids following him, they start off quite sort of cynical and sceptical yeah. about it all, but they embrace it all quite yeah. quickly, but not in a kind of like cheesy, oh, well, let's go along. They're still quite sceptical. Yeah. But it's just little scenes like that where yeah. they get to see his bizarre things that he's made, his yeah. tools... Yeah, it's very much they kind of like created a world in that, in that there's everything that he has in his van is there for a reason. Yeah. But it's something he's had to make himself because of his experience on the job. And also because he's not got funding. He's got it's, no yeah. It's not like he's he's the Avengers and he's got Tony Stark <laughs> to go and build him some kind of rocket ship. Well he's exactly. he's just tinkered about in yeah. his in his caravan yeah. that smells of troll stench. Um <laughs> The other, there were two other interesting points about this for me that we probably got just about got time to talk about. Um, I love the way that the pylons in Norway are sort of like sort of like fences to keep the trolls in, and there's a power plant who who know that there's a power line that just runs in a circle, doesn't go anywhere, and they haven't questioned this. They don't know that it's actually a troll fence. But they go, oh yes, just that's just in a circle, isn't it? And again, it's that part of that that brilliant sort of. Almost sitcommy bureaucracy, mm. isn't it? Of like, Absolutely. We've never questioned why it's in no. a big circle. It, it just, just is. is in a big circle. And there's no like conspiracy theory about no. why it is. They're just a bit stupid. Yeah. Um, the other bit that I really like, and I only thought about this when I when rewatching it a couple of nights ago, was for reasons of some plot. There is a change of camera person within the. Within I the team. I noticed that, and yeah. I really enjoyed that as well. That and, was a very film nerdy thing to notice. But. The film style changes because she's got a the new camera she's person got a, camera. got a better camera yeah. and a different style. She isn't as intimate with the other characters. Yeah. So there's less in your face just talking. There's the long shots, aren't there? Yeah. And they're, they're kind of the quite wide because she's the new camera woman is yeah. a as a nature documentarian. Yes, yeah, worked for the BBC and stuff like that, and it's yeah. really got that style. It becomes a David Attenborough. Yeah. At an, that point, and it works really well because for the first half, it's very close and mm. intimate and in yeah. your face, and they're kind of going into yeah. caves and having things you know jump out of them yeah. and it's very yeah. handheld and Blair Witchy whereas yeah it's got that more epic quality towards the end isn't it yeah, and it really actually does. you've got those big vistas and yeah. it works for the finale it really works well, it opens up it and it sort of yeah you're absolutely right that's brilliant um, what else was I going to say I had something else that was really interesting to say I wrote it down here um, the US ignore that the I think U- we're going to call for extra time because I've got a point I I've want got to make point. as well. There was going to be a US remake of this and there isn't anymore. It's been shelved. Good. The, yes. Isn't that a good thing? It is a good thing because that kind of ties into my thing as well. I really like the fact that you have... It has quite a lot of special effects in it. Yeah. But they're quite subtle yeah. and they're quite hidden away. Yeah. So even though you see the troll quite early on, mm. actually you never see it, apart from in the finale... In all its glory, it's kind mm. of shot handheld, kind yeah. of like Cloverfield, where you see little snippets, yeah. or it's shot night vision. Oh, night so vision it's kind of like, stuff. yeah. So you don't really see it. No, so it's, actually, it does. It does. It's not scary in the way that you would want it to be in, like, say, Jaws or mm. Alien. But it also doesn't it's like. Isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't show you everything like you get in, say, Prometheus, which 
a film I hate because you see everything on camera and there's no mystery to it. Saw it once, never went back to it. Yeah, and I've wanted to, I've tried to go back but have always failed. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, so it's kind of, going back to your point, I think if they'd done an American remake, you would have lost the charm of Hans being this kind of down-at-heel person. They'd wanted to try and make him into this sort of Harry Dean Stanton character, probably, or Chuck uh, Norris. Yeah, and (laughs) and so it just wouldn't work. And they would layer it up with CGI, and it just wouldn't wouldn't work. work. It would have too much money behind it, and not enough ideas. Yeah, and it would lose the charm, which it gets. Talking talking of losing the charm, (laughs) we have gone way over our time now. I know, but Um, we had interesting things to say. We did. That was that was good. That was genuine discussion. It was. It was five minutes. Isn't very long. It is talk about something you. Is actually interesting. Yeah, exactly. I'll do what you mean, not us. Yes, not Balustrade Sons. Exactly. The next film that we are going to talk about is Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth. I hope you're not going to continue that accent for the duration of this. No, only when I'm saying Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> so, Pan's Labyrinth. Ah. You and I went to see Pan's Labyrinth at the Bath Film Festival. Yeah, many um, years ago. Unbelievably, 10 years ago, 2006. So that's 11 years 11 ago. 11 years ago. That's really scary. Yeah. Um, I remember that screening. It was in the big in the big auditorium at the Little Theatre, ironically yeah. enough. Yeah. And it was amazing. Yeah. It's one of those films where, I suppose, Guillermo del Toro at that point... Mm. It kind of I'd not really seen much of his stuff before. I'd seen Hellboy, which is kind of probably not really representational of no, his stuff. No. And then having watched Pan's Labyrinth, you go back and you watch like Kronos and The Devil's, Devil's Backbone. Backbone. Yeah. And you can kind of really see where all of those ideas yeah. come together yeah. to create Pan's Labyrinth. And they are insane ideas. They are full of invention and full of wonder and mystery and scares. Oh yeah. And I mean, it's actually ter- a terrifying film in, oh, in a way. It's what, what, what Ophelia goes through in that film. Yeah. We should explain the plot a little bit, I suppose. Um, yeah. A girl and her mum come to Pregnant live. Mother. Yes, come to live with her new husband, who is a general. In, is he a general captain yeah. in Franco's army yeah. in Civil War era Spain? Yeah, so sort of 1940s Spain. Yeah, and she, the girl, doesn't want to be there. She wants to be back in her old life, but that ain't gonna happen. Yeah. And so she, tr- so she's trying to escape her world and, and kind of enters into a kind of like a fantasy realm in yeah. order to do that. So she's kind of obsessed with the story of this idea of a princess, isn't yeah. she? And then she encounters this fawn who's this kind of gigantic, but it's not like sort of a Narnia fawn who's kind of all fluffy and no, nice. He's, he's quite terrifying. He's, he's an old gnarled creepy tree kind of esque figure isn't he yeah exactly so you don't entirely know if his motives are altruistic or actually no you never trust the form no and he he gives her these creatures who are going to help her and they're nasty little things but they're beautiful but they're nasty and all this kind of stuff and he sets her on these little tasks and these little um missions doesn't he and she gets very angry though when she fails and when she doesn't do what she's meant to do and when she yeah. misbehaves in his eyes. Yeah. And it's interesting as well because it kind of blends this idea of, of fantasy and reality mm. and dreams and mm. you're not entirely sure which is which at any point. No. And Because she's a young girl and because it's got this sort of very fairy tale quality to mm. her, you think, is, is she imagining all of this? And there's a scene at the end where they literally play with that, don't they? Yeah. Where, where you're not quite sure if 
what she is seeing and experiencing is real or not. No. Because when she has a confrontation with her stepfather, yeah. he doesn't see the fawn. No, he's the fawn isn't there. Yeah, so you're meant to imply... Are you then meant to imply that this whole thing is just this dreamlike yeah. fantasy that she's made up to cope with the fact yeah. that her, her mother has, has remarried and is having another child, is having a son, yeah. in fact. And then there's that really horrible scene, isn't there, with the... Uh, where the son, where the mother dies, where the mother um, dies in childbirth, yeah, doesn't she? After they put the root underneath the bed, she puts the mandrake root under the bed to try and help her mother because the fawn tells her to. Yeah. Yet the captain finds it. Her stepfather finds it and says, "This is what's making you ill." Yeah. And so there's that horrible thing that is the fawn miss, uh, miss telling her what's going on and what she's doing and. Yeah. and and again, this idea of, of is is this fantasy world that she's making mm. up, you know, destructive, yeah. rather than being, you know, beneficial to everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's... and and then also, ju- sorry, it juxtaposes no, no. nicely. You have the whole scene with the rebels, yeah. and then you've got this got this very real scenes with the, you know, torture of the rebels. Oh, they are brutal and horrific. Those scenes yeah. the, where they get the rabbit poachers as well. Yeah, but then there's the kind of almost the brilliant plans that the rebels have to try and smash over the train and stop everything getting to the captain that he needs. Yeah. But none of it all pays off and it gets worse and worse and worse and the situation gets worse and you can see why Ophelia retreats into the world that she does go into. Very much so. It's very understandable and very sad. Yeah. And on on, on the surface it has this feeling of this, as you say, this fairy tale quality mm. and it's got this dark, twisted sense to it but it's not like a kind of caricaturish Tim no. Burton style. No. It's this very horrific and mm. unsettling way that it's created, isn't it? Yeah. And if you hear the story of a girl, you know, she goes on these missions because yeah. she thinks she's a princess yeah. and she gets sent this fawn, you think it should be really genteel and fluffy, mm. but then they contrast that with that the the scene with the captain where he's shaving and he oh, cuts his, his 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 cheek. Oh time's, time's up. up. No um, it's not. So yeah, again, that, that horrors of the real world. Yeah. Oh, the it's wall. the bit where he's sewing himself back up. Oh, and it's yes. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's just as bad to me as anything when the pale man with his hand in his eyes is chasing her. Yeah. And she's desperately trying to chalk a door to get her way out. Exactly. And it's very much that idea that um, fairy tales have this dark heart mm. to them, isn't mm. it? That, you know, from reading just, you know, uh, the Grimm's Brothers fairy tales yeah. to my girls, you know, they're horrible. Yeah. And when you read them properly, yes. you know, you realise that there's, you know, a lot of the time you read these sort of, these uh, censored or child French sanitised yeah. word I was looking for. Um, but no, they're, they're hideous. Yeah. And, you know, Red Riding Hood where he chops the wolf's head off to let the grandmother escape is, yeah. is brutal. And it's it, very it much is. in that tradition, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's proper fairy tale telling. Yeah. Um, it's not afraid to be scary yeah. and dark. And it's, it is my favourite film of all time. I've never I've I've seen it at least once a year every year since yeah. it first came out and I've never ever watched it with a dry eye. No. I cry constantly. I cry at everything. <laughs> I cry at some adverts. <laughs> and and this this is the film that's made me cry the most. I can understand that. I'd be helpful in drought conditions. Nice. I suppose for me I I, I always find it more interesting than I do enjoy it. I think mm. it's a difficult a difficult watch, a challenging watch, but mm. then again when I sat here to talk about it, I've not seen it for a long time, but actually so many scenes come yeah. to mind and so much of it resonates yeah. that 
that to me is clearly a great film because yeah. I always hate watching a boring film. There's nothing worse than a boring film. Yeah. I'd rather watch a bad film than a boring film. Absolutely. Um, and so unless you've got something to talk about, you know, actually just all of this coming flooding back is what is a reminder of why yeah. Pan's Labyrinth is so great. Yeah. Two recommendations there for you, Pan's Labyrinth and Troll Hunter. Yeah. Both get the balustrade. Thumbs, Thumbs up. up. So we hope you've enjoyed listening to our rambling views on a couple of films there. If you'd like to get in contact, let us know what you think about these films. There are three ways you can do it. Wow, count them down, Carts. In at three. <laughs> a new entry for our exciting email address. Oh, well, Tony Blackburn and Paul Cambacini have nothing to do with you. Oh, are they still doing the charts? They are. Well, they are on Radio 2, which is what oh, I listen to. Nice. So um, you can email us at bwoit podcast. Oh, if you set up an email for us as well, at, indeed at gmail dot com. Wow. That's boyt podcast at gmail dot com. <laughs> Why did we? What? Oh, what a silly acronym. Then at number two, you can find us on Facebook. <laughs> if you go to facebook dot com slash balustrade hq. Not only will you get exciting news about um, the balustrade's world of interesting things. You can also look back over five years of very few gigs as well yeah. that we've done. Some photos that show us going steadily balder and fatter <laughs> as the years roll by. Exactly. And yeah, you can show what irregular Facebook posters we are. Yeah. <laughs> and the final and best way to get in contact with us, because we are so cool and hip, is we... By post. <laughs> by telegram. Yeah. You can send some smoke signals our way. <laughs> you can write it on a slate and give it to us. <laughs> or you can go on Twitter. Oh, hooray, hurrah for the Twitters. You can find us at at BoitPod. I can't even say it. It's such a bad acronym. B-W-O-I-T pod. Who came up with this ridiculous idea for a podcast? I do believe it was you. Yeah, I know. Sorry. You are that. to blame. Yes. Anyway, so if you want to join in, uh, come up with some suggestions for things that we ought to talk about. Yeah. Things that we shouldn't talk about. Definitely. Um, I think in the future we're going to do some reader submissions and you can get to hear our thoughts and opinions there Ryan <laughs> there we go and so thank you very much for taking the time to listen to it we hope you enjoyed and we'll see you again next time cheers bye bye they set the penis enlargement timer <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means <laughs> well, it's full of efforts that's all there is on the internet, isn't it? Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave that in. Yeah.